People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome to another episode of Premier League Insights and we are back again to help you with those all-important Premier League predictions for this weekend. Here to help with that, as always, is Jake Osgothorpe from InfoGoal. How are you, Jake? Yeah, very well. It uh, continues to be non-stop this season. Um, we've got the Premier League and then Champions League's back as well next week, so it's going to be all go over the next few weeks. But we had a, a few successful winners last time out, hopefully for some more this uh, this weekend, yeah. Yeah, we had a, I was going to say a bit of a break, but it was just for the FA Cup, wasn't it? So the action does not stop. Um, I think this one we were just chatting a little bit before, some, some really interesting fixtures. I mean, some some top teams in action against each other this weekend, but also some interesting ones from sort of a, a betting angle. And obviously we're going to keep up our, our predictions challenge. Um, just to kind of recap, you mentioned it there uh, last week, InfoGoal. Picked the the under two point five. I know you were umming and ahhing over the the one point five in <laughs> in Burnley versus Brighton. Luckily, you weren't too risky, and and that one came in. Obviously, the the under three goals in the the Liverpool City game wasn't wasn't quite so fortunate. Um, Pinnacle was pretty much the same, a fifty fifty split. We had one loss with the the Brighton win not coming in, but we did pick Manchester City for the straight up win in that one. So. Um, still in for goal ahead in the predictions challenge, but but Pinnacle can make the ground up pretty easily, I think. Um, this week, Pinnacle's highlight fixture is Manchester City versus Tottenham. Um, and what is info goal going for? Yeah, like I said, there's quite a few good games this week. Obviously, Leicester Liverpool, the first game that we're going to get on to, but I'm going to go for the, the Super Sunday game between Arsenal and Leeds. I think there's a decent bit of value to be had in that one, um, in a certain market. Good stuff. Well, yeah, you mentioned it just there. First game, a, g- a good one to start with Leicester versus Liverpool. And um, they're only separated by three points in the table, but it's it's been quite contrasting seasons. And I think certainly sort of the, the last few weeks for these two as well. Um, when you consider sort of the expectations, obviously Leicester are, are by far having a much better season. It's Liverpool have kind of made a stick for their own back, how, how good they've been over the last couple of years, because people do expect them to kind of maintain those levels of performance but it kind of started well from them apart from the the Villa blip that they had but the last few games I mean like the the full one against Man City I know Man City are just on another level but I feel like it kind of capped off sort of our uh, Liverpool's recent form at the moment they are still the second best team in the league according to expected goals and you feel like they are going to turn it round I don't think they've got it in them to to catch Manchester City but Maybe they can make a make a run of it and and sort of make that ground back up to to second place. But Leicester obviously have the potential to to do something similar. They've, they've threatened for a few games last season before dropping away. I know we had a bit of back and forth about whether or not they were title contenders. Um, they're not really. I mean, for me and and judging by the numbers, they're not they're not elite level in terms of their process in attack or defence. But the fact that they're solid in in both areas. I mean. What we got here, 1.62 expected goals for per game, 1.72 against it. It pitches them around sort of sixth best overall in expected goals difference, fifth according to XG sort of in terms of the actual table. So a, a bit of overperformance going on there. Um, but, I mean, for them, the the top six has, has been pretty fruitful for them this season as well. One, one four, drawn two and lost one. The one that they lost, Jake? 
One that they lost? Yeah. Oh, you're testing me off the top of my head. I can't remember. Liverpool. Liverpool. Um, they barely competed against them last season as well, I think. It was that. They just kind of calculated, yeah. didn't they? But um, in terms of this one, the Leicester were at 3.61, 3.59 for the draw and 2.41 for Liverpool. Um, that's 27% uh, on both Leicester win and the draw. Uh, 46% chance on Liverpool. Could be a few goals according to the odds. We've got a slightly higher split at, at 2.5 and 3. It's an interesting one to start with, Jake. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think it's it's a very interesting one, especially looking at the market, because if you remember in the reverse game, Liverpool were actually um, around even money at Anfield. And there's not been... The, all the injuries, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first real game um, or the first real challenge since the you know the major injuries to the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez. And um, yeah, there was a massive overreaction to the injury news and Liverpool went off as even money favourites and I think made us all a bit of uh, a bit of money on, on that occasion. And this time around, they're, they're only slightly bigger um, into, in the market. And I'm still very tempted to back them. You know, the, the, the breaking news, um, if you haven't heard, is that James Justin's just, just been ruled out for a long period of time doing his cruciate ligament. He's been a massive player for them this season. Um, in, at both ends of the pitch, he's been playing at, at right back at times and also at left back. So that means that their their injury list in terms of defenders is is now seriously growing. Um, Timothy Castagna, the other fullback, he's out injured. Um, Fafana, who's probably been one of the best signings of the season, um, he's out injured for this one. Wes Morgan, who's a you know a backup centre half behind um, Suyuncu this season, he's injured, and obviously James Justin now. So that effectively means that. Um, Christian Fuchs could end up playing at left back, um, which would be um, a real, a real issue for them against uh, you know Salah, Firmino, and Mane. So, I do think that that's definitely something to to keep in mind. I know that Liverpool themselves have been handed a bit of a, an injury blow with Fabinho being uh, being ruled out for this one, meaning that it's likely Henderson's going to have to play in the uh, centre half again. Um, but I'm still quite confident that Liverpool can do something here, and um, I think the 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 recent results we've seen from Leicester, the recent performances haven't been as good as, as what the, you know, the, the sort of standard that they've been setting. Having said that, we I've got the latest Premier League Sims in front of me um, that we've run. And we, we actually make Leicester pretty much certainties to finish in the top six this season, which is testament to, to their performances over the last two years um, in particular. Uh, they're around a 40% chance of finishing the top four. So we're I think we, we've got Chelsea at 56% now who are the fourth favourites to, to finish in that top four. Liverpool, anyone who thinks that they're going to miss out, we the Infocom model thinks that they've got an 83% chance of making the top four. So uh, we, we think, you know, over the course of the season, things will get better for them. And, and it is worth highlighting also that their best performances recently have come away from home. You know, they, they completely dismantled Tottenham. They were blistering on the counter-attack against West Ham. Um, and yeah, although they have lost three home games in a row, they, they, they're away form has been their sort of haven at the moment and only Manchester City boasts a, a better away process than Liverpool this season which may come as a surprise given the uh, the results at the start of the campaign for Liverpool away from home but um, they've been very strong averaging around 1.9 expected goals four per game 1.25 against and in contrast to that Leicester playing at the King Power they've been very very vulnerable I think they've only won five of 11 at home lost five in that time as well so um and, and their process is reflecting that. 1.47 expected goals for per game and 1.34 against. So they are um, a very mediocre uh, attacking, uh, sorry, home team. They sit 10th based on um, XG process at home. 
So you've got a poor home team taking on a good, strong away team, uh, and that strong away team also happened to be the champions. So um, Liverpool at current prices, definitely a bet that I couldn't put anybody off. Um, the Infocom model thinks that the price is up about right. Um, I think you said there was about a 44% chance of a Liverpool win. We're, we're very much on the same lines. Uh, instead, we're looking at the goal line. Under 2.5, making a, a small bit of appeal. I'd be surprised personally if, if under 2.5 did come in here. Um, instead, I think I'll be looking at the the potential for both teams to score no uh, and Liverpool to maybe keep a clean sheet. Uh, let's not forget that Leicester had real trouble breaking down Wolves last time out. Didn't create anything at all, even with Vardy on the pitch. Uh, and it took them until the, the 94th, 95th minute in midweek to, to breach Brighton. So um, both teams to score no is a small value play. But again, Liverpool odds on. Very rarely you get them. Uh, at that sort of price, uh, given in the current circumstances, even with the the you know the severe injury list that they do have, so won't put anybody off back in the Reds. Yeah, James Justin definitely a, a big hit and going to be a miss for Leicester. I'm also scrambling to now get him out of my fantasy football team <laughs> the, uh, before the weekend. You've got um, a few hours left yet, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, our next game is uh, Crystal Palace versus Burnley, and not quite as exciting maybe as Leicester versus Liverpool, but I think equally balanced and equally intriguing in terms of the the betting market. We've got Palace uh, a 2.47, so a 40% win probability for them. Um, the draw is 3.13, which is 31% chance, and you can get 3.35 for Burnley, and and that's a 29% chance for them. Um, I know I'm probably picking the wrong person to do some Burnley bashing to, but their numbers <laughs> don't look great. Se- second worst attack in the league, according to expected goals, with uh, 0.914 per game. Fewest actual goals scored with 14 from their 22 games. I think they're also off the back of you were saying their injury news for Leicester. I think Burnley are going to miss Chris Wood for this one as well. And he's obviously quite important for them in attack. Um, I don't think we're going to expect much from them going forward in this game. However, they are playing a Palace team who've, who've struggled in attack themselves. Um, 1.03 XG, four per game for them. Their defence has been pretty porous as well, to be honest. I mean, they're conceding chance at 1.74 XG against per game. Um and the big thing, again, injury might be a theme here because Wilfred Zaha is going to be out um, and the stats are nothing short of awful for them when he doesn't <laughs> play. I think, is it five or six games this season? I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but they haven't scored without him. I know that much. And I think they're on 0.6 XG um, in that time. And there is also, I saw a tweet earlier, it was something about sort of 19 games or 17 games um, that they haven't scored sort of 15 in the 15 of those games or something like that. So, I mean, they... They clearly massively struggle without him. Um, it seems like everything's pointing to a nil-nil here, Jake. The <laughs> unders have taken an absolute hammering. Do, do you think there's still any value available there? Or is it one maybe where you're looking for for binary Burnley to pop up with a, a one-nil win? What do you think? Yeah, this is the perfect spot for binary Burnley to do their bit. Um, you know, you mentioned it there. I think that the stat I've got in front of me is that in the last 19 games without Wilfred Zahar, Crystal Palace have lost 17 of them, which is a, yeah. a staggering stat. Um, and, you know, it just sort of shows the importance of one player, um, how important one player can be. You know, if, if, we, if we look at expected goals from this season, um, he's had what, 7.15 expected goals, 1.88 expected assists. So, you know, you're looking at around pretty much uh, nine expected goals in total from Wilfred Zahar in terms of involvement and Crystal Palace as a team. They've not really created that much. Um, I think as a percentage, yes, they've created 23.7 expected goals. So 
you're talking around 35% of, of Palace's expected goals have been, uh, you know, Wilfred Zaha has been a part of. So uh, he's going to be a huge miss. Burnley, obviously. Um, yeah, they, they, they're coming to this on the back of a, a winless three games, but it is worth mentioning that, that two of those came against Chelsea and Manchester City. Um, the third of those came against the Brighton team that sit in, in the top six of our XG table and have done for pretty much all season long. And that was actually a really good performance from Burnley. They racked up over two expected goals on that occasion. Unfortunate not to get the three points. And uh, yeah, that, that 2.1 expected goals in that match was actually their best attacking performance of the season so far. So uh, really positive signs. Um, you mentioned there the potential for Chris Wood to be uh, to be out. I've got him down here as questionable. So he could still play. Um, even if he doesn't, I do think that they, they, they've got enough to really cause Crystal Palace some issues. Um, it's a Palace team that have been really poor and vulnerable defensively for a few years now, despite um, last season in particular, their goals against Tally not really um, reflecting that. Uh, even at Selhurst Park this season, they've been pretty woeful. 1.67 expected goals against per game. They're a very vulnerable team, um, are Crystal Palace. Even more so since Roy Hodgson has sort of tried to get them playing on the front foot a little bit more. Um, and I think that that's going to play into Burnley's hands. Um, not surprised to see that the goal line is, is you know, is considerably low. That really uh, is something that we would come to expect from this kind of fixture. We've got it at around a 58% chance of unders. Market's around 61%, so we're you know, in the same sort of ballpark. Um, both teams to score again is, is you know, I think the market's pretty much sat on the fence in terms of that one. We're edging towards BTTS, no, um, but the, the main value play really is just getting Burnley on side, um, which probably doesn't come as a surprise. <laughs> um, but the market makes Palace favourites, 39% chance. Um, we actually make Burnley favourites at 38%. So, yeah, the huge price available for, for the Clarets, 3.22 is currently on Pinnacle, is um, is a huge value bet, um, given that we make them closer to around 2.5. So, yeah, you know, everything points towards a 1-0 win. You know, the, the BTTS no, the unders, um, Burnley to actually win the match, being favourites based on our model. Uh, and, it, yeah, it, if you can get them just to win, if you're happy to do that, absolutely go for it. Instead, you can look at the handicap. It'd be short price on the uh, plus 0.5. Yeah, you're looking around 1.6, but that itself would be a um, a really strong play, in, in my opinion. I don't think Burnley lose this one. These are the kind of games that Sean Dyche does have his side up for. Not so much relegation six-pointers, but he'll have this down as a really good opportunity to put a bit more distance between themselves and, and the bottom three, especially with, with Fulham playing against Everton. Um, a tough game for them. Sheffield United travelling to West Ham uh, and West Brom obviously playing Manchester United. So good opportunity for Burnley and I think that they can oblige. And with Palace, I mean, it's something we've talked about quite a bit, that that lack of sort of any sort of um, intensity going forward a lot of the time. Now, they've they've obviously brought in Eze, who, who's looked decent in, in patches. I know you talked last week about Mateta, um, who's come in. I mean, they've got Batshuayi on loan again. Um, they've got the talent there. So what is it, what's kind of lacking for them, do you think? I don't know. It's a it's a, it's a good question. Um, it's a very strange sort of set of circumstances, really, because, you know, the players that you've listed there, uh, if you throw Zahar in the mix, that, that front four in particular, um, you know, you've got Benteke as well, you've got Townsend. You would imagine that they could play in an attacking manner and create plenty of chances. But against Leeds on Monday night, they were just, 
non-existent in terms of attack. It was probably one of the most timid attacking performances I've seen in a long time in the Premier League. Even when going 1-0 down, they just didn't threaten at all. They didn't have any urgency in the play. Um, you know, The only player that looked like they were trying to do anything was, was actually Eze. But there's only so much you can do by yourself. Um, I think there's a great clip doing the rounds of Leeds were breaking forward in like the 95th minute and Eze picks the ball up and then all of a sudden he's swarmed by about five Leeds players and there's no Crystal Palace player in shot. And uh, that's the sort of things that, 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 that just, just keeps happening. I don't know whether it's um, whether it's to do with the setup. Maybe Roy Hodgson's setting them up um, as a flat back four, which doesn't really give much support from fullbacks. Um, to maybe try and keep them a bit tighter and just sort of let the attacking players try and win you a game. But, um, you know, we know the emphasis on attacking fullbacks now in the game is, is a key source of creativity. Maybe that's something that they have to look at. But if they carry on going the way they're going, um, there's only one place or one way that they're going to be going, and that, and that is sort of down towards that relegation playoff, uh, uh, relegation places, because their, their underlying process has been trending in a very, very sort of concerning direction um, ever since last season. They'll cling on. They always seem to manage to... <laughs> They'll finish 14th. That, that's pretty much their <laughs> spot, isn't it, every year? Um, right, let's move on to, to Manchester City versus Tottenham. And it's another one. I think we we kind of joked about it last week about what is the, the big six? When does that sort of terminology or the teams that fall within that change? But we've got two of the, the big six here. Um, I think it's going to be fairly predictable in, in terms of how the game's going to play out. It's a question of whether Man City can break Spurs down and actually get the win because it's something they've they've struggled to do of late. Um, Tottenham won the last two two nil. There was a two two in their last season as well. I don't think Spurs managed one expected goal across those three games, and if they did, it was only just City. Meanwhile, were probably closer to ten. I know they had a couple of three three plus expected goal performances in there. Um, obviously, just one point from those three games and. All of that was before City took their defensive process to just another level. Um, it's hard to really see how Tottenham even stand a chance. I guess one glimpse, and we were kind of talking about it just off air about Diaz. I heard sort of a virus, and then I'm not sure where things are at now. But but even then, they got they got Laporte coming in to 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 replace him if he was out, and it's it's not exactly much of a downgrade, is it? Um, City just they just look unstoppable. Um, title's probably theirs to lose. I think like one to 15, one to 20 best price at the moment. That that run of 15 games on the spin, um, it's one here. According to the odds, you've got 72% win probability with their odds of 1.346. Um, Tottenham just an 11% chance at 8.75, and the draw is 17% chance at 5.93. So, I mean, it's City is short. I don't think Spurs have, have really got much of a chance. It's obviously our, our highlight game, so more pressure on the prediction. What's Where are you going, Jake, and, and what's the logic behind it? Yeah, there, there's a few ways I was looking at playing this one. Uh, one being a, a City win to nil, which is something that we've sort of become accustomed to in the Premier League this season. Uh, and the other is, is Manchester City on the minus one and a half handicap. I think that they can be that dominant in this game. Uh, we know exactly what Spurs are going to do. They're going to sit back and try and counter-attack. They've had joy against Manchester City doing that over the last three games, which you've highlighted. But it is worth pointing out that while the scoreline of those three games was 6-2 in Tottenham's favour, the XG scoreline was 1.1 to 8.5 in Manchester 1. City's favour. I was wondering if it was over one. 
it is extreme. It is unbelievable to to think that a team could score six goals from chances equating to one point one xG. And if you remember back to, I think Pochettino was in charge last season in this uh, fixture at the Etihad, and I think Spurs had maybe three shots in total. I think it was about zero point two expected goals, and, and managed to come away with a two two draw. That's that's been the this, this story of, of Manchester City v Spurs over the last four or five years, um, or three years even, going back to the Champions League two-legged clash, which, again, Manchester City won the XG battle, something like 4.5 to 1.3, but Tottenham ended up going through. So um, they, they've they've found a habit, Spurs, of, of somehow winning those kind of games. And I just think that that, that luck isn't going to continue. It, it can't. It's the, you know, those sorts of results are unsustainable. And I think that that the the last team to beat Manchester City was Tottenham this season. But since then, what Manchester City have done defensively has been uh, nothing short of sensational. And they've effectively completely shut down opposition counter-attacks, which, is one of, which was one of the main things that was hurting them last season. Um, it was the counter-attacks and the size of the chances they were conceding. So I had some digging into the defensive stats. And last season, Manchester City were conceding um, the same amount of the same number of shots on goal per game as they are this season. But the difference is that 13% of those shots last season were what we call big chances. So have an XG total of 0.35 or more. This season, it's now 6%. So just 6% of the shots that they're conceding are big chances, which is, uh, you know, a staggeringly small number and is actually the best. Uh, it's league leading is that is that figure. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really difficult for Tottenham to create, um, especially when you look at their recent performances and results. I know that the 5-4 against Everton will stick in everyone's head, but that was just a complete one-off where, for whatever reason, both Everton and Tottenham just sort of said, right, well, you know, let's just have a proper fist fight and go for it for once. But prior to that, they, they you know, they've really struggled. Two wins in six Premier League games. Those two wins have come against West Brom and Sheffield United. The two were bottom teams. Um, against any team that's been half-decent, They've either lost or really struggled. You know, they, they were toothless against Chelsea, one of the most, one of the worst attacking performances I've seen in a long time. Um, closely followed by the one at Brighton. <laughs> to be fair, Brighton were utterly dominant. Um, and in that three-game losing streak against Liverpool, Brighton uh, and Chelsea, Spurs created um, a combined 1.2 expected goals. So, really struggling uh, on the attacking front and they come up against a City side who in their their 10 match winning run in the Premier League have allowed just 0.5 expected goals against per game which is just a, a simply ludicrous number. Um, you mentioned Diaz's absence, you also mentioned that Laporte could you know step in and it's, he was arguably their player of the season last season. Um, if Guardiola so wants to he could also choose Eric Garcia who again was was looks pretty good last season before he was knocked out by Edison. Um so the you know the, the options are there. I don't think that'll affect them too much if, if he if he is out. Obviously, he's, you know he's been a revelation this season. But um, overall, with the protection that Rodri's providing, the the box to box running of Gundogan, you know the the inside um, fullbacks that drift into that central midfield role to provide extra stability. The the setup there at Manchester City is just unbelievable. And I think Guardiola deserves a, a lot of credit and even more so for getting this attack clicking as well. We spoke about it at length on this podcast earlier on in the season, how they were really struggling to create opportunities. And that's not the case at all now, even without Kevin De Bruyne. In that 10-game winning streak, they've created 2.3 expected goals per game. So that's more towards the levels that we would expect to see. So I don't think Man City are going to have any troubles here. Spurs, I know they've got a decent record away from home this season. Um, but the process is, is really, really middling, middle table. 
away from home. I think they've averaged around 1.5 expected goals for per game. Uh, for you know, massively overperforming. They've they've, cut, they've scored 2.1 goals per game, so they're they're scoring 0.6 goals more than what would be expected. And it's the same in defence. They've conceded one goal per game on average. The expected goals against is at 1.45 uh, per game. So you know they've overperformed by around a goal per game um, away from home, and that that isn't going to continue really. Um, and, and I think that this is a it's a decent, it's probably one of the worst spots that they could find themselves in given the current form that they're in traveling to the Etihad because um, yeah, it is going to be just a, a one-way traffic uh, dominated game. And it's just going to be a case of can Manchester city break Spurs down, which I think that they will. So um, yeah, with that in mind, I'm going to go for the, for the city win to nil as a bet in this one, just purely because I think that the city players are going to, they know that the, the, the key creator in that Tottenham team is Harry Kane. If you can stop him, playing quarterback um, and dropping deep and trying to pick the passes to likes of Son, then you stop Tottenham, Tottenham attacking effectively. And I know there was a, a fair bit of work done on Monday Night Football a few weeks back looking at how when, when they are defending against better teams, Hoiberg and Sissoko drop in to make a back six. And I think we'll see a lot of that um, this, in this game. And, and ultimately, I don't think it'll matter. I think Manchester City will register that 11th straight win in the league and 16th in all competitions. Yeah, I think exactly the same logic for for Pinnacle's prediction based on the market here. I mean, it's you you can't see Spurs scoring. City are probably going to score more than one, and that's why the the minus one on the handicapper at one point five three one is is the one that jumps out for for Manchester City in terms of Pinnacle's prediction. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go for the the Edison anytime goal scorer, Jake. <laughs> that price has crashed. I mean, <laughs> ever since that was uh, that was uh, muted, I, I thought you know I think you you would expect probably the only you know the only chance he is going to get is from the penalty spot. Um, then you've got to weigh up: will they win a penalty? I've seen that he is a bit shorter in places than some Tottenham players, which I thought was really interesting. And yeah, sort of, there's. There was a tweet um, the other day in the cup, wasn't it? I think Son. It was uh, another bookmaker. Son, Son, first goal scorer was was eight to one, Ed, or nine to one, and Edison was seven to one or eight to one. He's basically shorter than Son to to score first. Yeah, I, I would be extremely surprised if uh, if he did take a penalty. I mean, I would love to see it. it. One of those things you always really enjoy. You know, will the goalkeeper miss, and then all of a sudden has to sprint back and pull a hamstring on the way back. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think. There's every chance that, that Manchester City will win a penalty. I'm not sure who the referee is, so I won't be able to get his penalty stats up. But um, yeah, with Tottenham sitting deep, City have got some tricky players. If you fancy, you know, a little punt on Edison, I've got to say, I think the I think the boat's been missed. I think that now that it's is sort of a possibility of him taking a penalty, that the price is is a little bit too short. But um, yeah, I, I think the the safer play is looking at Gundogan. He's a man in form. Uh, no, no player scored more goals than him. This calendar, uh, sorry, since since the actual Tottenham defeat, he's got nine goals, xG of six point three. But he seems to be consistently getting in the scoring positions, which is what you're looking for. And uh, as a as a box to box midfielder who does take penalties, he probably is a little bit on the short side. But again, he's in such a good, great uh, vein of form that backing him to to score any time looks a really sensible bet. As does Phil Foden. I mean, he's he's been. Nothing short of sensational this season. And uh, I think, you know, I think he's averaging around, uh, yeah, two and a half shots per game. So if you're looking at um, some prop bets, if you can get him maybe to have one or two shots on target at a decent price, odds against, that's something I'd definitely look at. 
Right, well, let's uh, let's get on to our next game. We've got, um, is it Brighton? Yeah, it's Brighton versus Aston Villa. Um, and another one kind of spoiled for, for choice this week. It's, it's got the makings of a really good game. And I think here, two teams, as, as strange as it sounds to say, two teams that have had like similar seasons apart from one sort of glaring difference. And that's the, the points that they've actually taken from games. <laughs> Early on with Brighton, it was like, I remember the it was Chelsea, wasn't it? I think they lost in the United game that they drew with like the, the penalty after the whistle or, or whatever it was. But at that point, it was kind of promising for Brighton to see good performances against those ty- types of teams without really getting much out of it. But that has just carried on. And it's been a similar story in terms of good performances, not very good results. Obviously, they did get the win against Tottenham, couldn't quite get the, the three points against Burnley. But... They've won the XG battle over and over again and struggled to pick up wins. They're 15th in the actual table, 7th based on expected goals, according to InfoGoal. Um, that, I'm pretty sure that's got to be the biggest swing of any team in the league, whether it's over or under performance. Um, but I don't, they're obviously not going to have any fear of relegation. I think it's just a case of carrying on doing what they're doing and, and maybe even sort of thinking ahead to, to next season stuff. But Villa, on the other hand, have got a lot to play for this season, battling for Europa League even Champions League, maybe. Um, a couple of hiccups. I think Burnley recently was 3-2, wasn't it? They they lost to West Ham as well. But outside of that, they've been pretty solid. They look decent at the back. A lot of creativity in midfield. A very good striker. All the ingredients are there. And it's it's just whether they can maintain their level, I guess. Um, it is a, a really close one, according to the odds. You've got 2.82 for Brighton, um, 2.61 for Villa, and 3.52 on the draw. Um, 31% for Brighton win, 35% for the draw and 34% for Villa. So um, the 1x2 is pretty close. Betters are also expecting goals. Um, the goal line has been pushed up to 2.5 and 3. It's a pretty even even split according to the odds, but it's it's actually money for the over at the moment in this one. So a lot to unpack here, I guess, Jake. And, and in terms of value, is there is there anything in this one? Yeah, I think the the, the market is interesting and... Um... Yeah, the, the, the close nature of the game is something I expect. I think these two teams are much closely, uh, much more closely matched than what the league position suggests. You know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that we, uh, you know, wax lyrical about Brighton pretty much week in, week out. You know, the, the data darlings, if you like, um, Graham Potter's side, posting incredible underlying numbers. And um, and, and I think that that is, you know, the, the bookmakers, are they're not daft. They're, they're, they're in tune with what's going on from a from an XG process standpoint. And that's ultimately why this this sort of, um, you know, Brighton, you can get them as outsiders. But if this was Fulham playing against Aston Villa, you would imagine Villa would be about even money. So, they, you know, they, they're paying Brighton the respect that they deserve. Um, the model is as tightly matched as what the market is, but in the other way. So we're actually making Brighton slight favourites, um, making them a, a huge value play, really, at, the big, at a big price. Um, yeah, I know the, the they've won just once at home this season, which is, you know, it's quite laughable when you look at their process. Uh, only Manchester City have a better process at home than Brighton this season. And only Manchester City have picked up more expected points at home than Brighton this season. So just for a bit of context, that the, the, the results have not at all reflected Brighton's dominance at home. And for a bit more, um, you know, their the home process is averaging 1.95 expected goals for per game, which is a stunning amount. They've scored just one goal per game at home. So they're underperforming by about a goal a game. Um, and defensively, they've averaged 0.98 expected goals against per game conceded at a rate of around 1.4 goals per game. So huge underperformance at home. Uh, that is 
ultimately going to turn itself around. It did in the last home match, you know, when I think I put them up as a, as a bet to actually beat Tottenham. They did, you know, absolutely don't, um, deserve the victory in that one. And, and ever since then, they've looked fairly strong. They've just conceded once in the last five league matches. Defence is looking much tighter. Um, I think the, the, the performance against Burnley, I probably would forgive that one, 2.1 2 expected goals, just because they, they put in a massive shift at Anfield on uh, in the midweek prior which meant there were probably a few tired legs in that game against Burnley. But, yeah, I think that Brighton are, are, the, are the team to get on side in this one. It's just about how you do that. Um, looking at the prices and the, and the markets, uh, Brighton on the, the zero on the Asian handicap, um, which is effectively a draw-no bet, 2.1 that price. That's uh, that's a bet that, that I think I like the look of because I think that it's going to be a close game. I think Villa, even though they have the absolute firepower going forward, and you know they've got a few decent results themselves recently, um, they they're not the tightest defence, especially away from home. I think they're allowing around one point five expected goals against per game um, when playing away from home. So I do think that Brighton can get a result here, and I think that if there is one team that's going to get the victory, it's going to be Brighton. If not, then I think it'll be a, a very low scoring draw. So. Brighton um, plus naught on the Asian handicap. Also looking at the goal line, I think that's slightly too high. Um, you're looking at Brighton's defensive numbers recently, very, very impressive. And over the course of the season at home, like I said, allowing just under one expected goal against per game. I think they can keep this Villa attack at bay. Um, I think they managed to do that very, very well in the reverse game where they actually won 2 1 at Villa Park. So, chance in the unders. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's about even money or just, just over under 2.5. Model makes it about 1.85. So it's a, it's a decent value bet to get on under 2.5, which is a bet that's landed in, I think, all of Brighton's last six in the Premier League. So under 2.5 and, and Brighton on the draw, no bet or plus not Asian handicap. Right, well, let's let's get on to our next one. We've got Southampton versus Wolves and two teams, I think, if we, it'll be interesting to to go back and listen to our season preview pod, because these are two teams that we probably talked up a, a fair bit and, and expected big things from, but Southampton, they had a, I think early on, they, look, they looked alright, weren't they? They were they're quite high up the table, maybe not the performances, but they've, they've dropped away, they're down to 12th in the table. Um, Wolves never really got going, I think, and they're, they're currently in 14th. Um, the info goal expected goals table actually rates Wolves slightly better than Southampton, but they are close. And I think both of them have, they've had injury issues. And I think for them, really, it's, it's at the top of the pitch where, where the struggles have come. Um, it's 1.18 XG4 per game for Wolves, which, which isn't great, but it's still better than Southampton's 1.10. Um, and were it not for James Ward-Prowse's free kicks and set-piece delivery, they'd, they'd probably be a little bit lower down the table than Wolves. Um, it's no surprise to see the unders favoured here. The goal line has dropped to 2 and 2.5. Um, the under is the favourite. In terms of 1x2, Southampton just about have the edge at 2.47. Um, Wolves are 3.22. Uh, with your percentages, that gives you the Saints a 40% win probability. Wolves get 30%. It's it's not quite the, the top six clash we thought we might have had at the start of the season, but it's a, it's an interesting one from a betting perspective as well. Um, interested to hear what you make of this one, Jake. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating betting heat, this one. Obviously, they played in midweek as well in the FA Cup. Southampton uh, actually won that game 2-0. But, um, yeah, we the Infocom model, it, it's the first time in a, in a long, long time that I've seen it sat on the fence. Um, so, you know, 
so so strictly. I mean, 35% chance of a home win, 35% chance of an away win, and a 30% chance of the draw. So it really is a pick'em according to the uh, according to the model. Um, yeah, Wolves being second favourites and, and the model making them the you know, same probability as Southampton suggests that there's a, a play to be had um, getting Wolves on side. I wouldn't put anyone off that. I think that you look at, to the game in midweek, Wolves rested a lot of their starting players, especially in attack. Pedro Neto didn't play. William Jose didn't play. Um, Adama Traore didn't play. I don't even think Daniel Pedence played. So pretty much Wolves' first choice attacking unit didn't play in that game. So I won't read too much into that. Southampton went very strong in that game. They played um, with Ings up top. Redmond played. Armstrong played the whole game. Ward-Prowse played the whole game. Uh, Aurel Romeu played the whole game. Walker-Peters came straight back into the team and played the whole game. So they went very strong in that match, um, which could mean that they could be a little bit leggy in this game. And um, yeah, it's a fascinating game because you've got Southampton, who are the you know the quickest starters in the Premier League. They've scored the most goals in the first 25 minutes of matches this season. Um, and you've got Wolves, who are the, the quickest finishers in the Premier League, who've uh, scored the most goals after the 65th minute. So um, really interesting. Perhaps um, you know there's a bet to be had there, whether that be Southampton half-time, Dwarf or Wolves full-time, um, or maybe just Wolves to score the last goal. Uh, or something along those lines. But um, yeah, I think this could be a really, really interesting game. I hope it's as competitive as the game in midweek. I actually watched that game um, and it was a, it was a really en- entertaining game. Uh, although, you know, it was a low scoring match. It was quite open. There's quite a few chances at either end. Um, um, you know, unsurprisingly, we're not expecting that to be the case this time. Um, we've got under 2.5 as a very heavy favourite, 63% chance of the under two and a half. Um, and the goal lines reacted exactly the same way, really. Um, yeah, the, the the under two and a half is a massive favourite. I think the, the the way I would probably try and, and get in on this game, you know, just, just talk a little bit more about Wolves, especially away from home. They've had real struggles in attack. 0.97 expected goals for per game is what they've managed um, in their away game so far this season, which is a, a, a really low total for a team that's got, you know, the capability to be a really strong counter-attacking side. Um, and they come up against Southampton, who, although they have conceded is it 18 goals in the last, three or four matches in the league. Um, yeah, nine nil in there, obviously, <laughs> uh, which has boosted that figure. Um, at home, they've only conceded 1.1 expected goals against per game over the course of the season. So they're really tight defensively at home. Um, yeah, the, the nine nil came away from home. They conceded three uh, at Newcastle as well. So um, they'll be looking forward to getting back to, to home comforts, really. And, and, and I think that their, their defence against Wolves' attack could lead to a very uh, low-scoring game and likewise the other way around because I think Wolves' is, Wolves is, um, reverted back to a much more defensive-minded approach. Uh, and I think that that is probably the sensible thing to do. They, they were at risk of being dragged into um, a potential scrap for relegation, but they've put a couple, you know, got a couple of wins on the board now, which has sort of eased that. Um, and you know, back to a back three, much more difficult to break them down. So yeah, I think Wolves uh, playing them on the the same market as as uh, what I suggested for the the last match, Brighton uh, Villa plus naught on the Asian handicap. I think if there is a team that is going to win this, it will be Wolves. Like I've said, rested a lot of their players in midweek, um, a lot of key players in midweek. Even centre-halves they rested. It was a very very strange choice from Nuno, given the fact that they, they're not going to do anything in the league this season. So they thought they'd go for, for a cup competition. Ralph Harsenhutl did the exact set opposite. He played a very, very strong team. I could catch up with him. So Wolves um, plus naught on the Asian handicap is around 2.3. Um, also, 
the way I'd probably get the goals on side is uh, is looking at the under two on the Asian goal line. Uh, I don't think there's going to be three goals, but if there is two goals, you get your money back. If there's one goal or fewer, you get a winner. That's priced at 2.2. Um, that to me is is probably uh, my favourite bet in this one. Like I said, there's a huge value in backing the unders based on what the model's suggesting. And uh, and backing the under two goals, you get a little bit of security. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I think this could be a very cagey, low-scoring game to start Sunday off. Well, I'm looking forward to Southampton taking the lead inside 25 minutes and then Wolves getting a, a late equaliser for a 1-1 draw. <laughs> That's um, the dream, yeah. <laughs> right, let's let's move on to, to West Brom versus Manchester United. Now, I don't like being too negative about teams on this show, but some of them, they just make it difficult not to be. Like another <laughs> terrible performance from West Brom last weekend against Spurs and you mentioned it earlier, Spurs have been struggling themselves and West Brom still only managed 0.64 XG. They gave up 1.88, which is, I guess, it's slightly better than their, their average. So some positives there. Um, but they're on they're on 0.82 XG four per game, 2.05 against at the moment. It's just, it's going to take a miracle to, to get themselves out of any trouble at this rate, no matter how experienced their manager is or, or whatever it might be. Um United, obviously, right at the, the opposite end of the table, sitting second, five points off City. Not in a title race, apparently, according to some. Um, but but they'll be happy with how things have gone so far. Um, they had, like, a really poor start as well. And then when you look back, I mean, the the loss to Sheffield United, the last-minute draw against Everton, I know it's all sort of ifs and buts, but they, they easily could be challenging for the title if they're a little bit more consistent. Um it would be very surprising if there's a slip up here. One point three three five is their is their price in the one x two, so that's a seventy three percent chance of winning the match. Um, West Brom nine point seven five, so a ten percent chance for them, and the draw is five point seven four, um, which is obviously the remaining seventeen percent. Do you think United are short enough here, Jake? I think a, a few people are still going to be tempted at, the, at those odds. Do you think that's a, a fair assumption, or, or should they be should they be sort of a, a bit higher, maybe? Um. It's about right. It's about right. I think the 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 market is um, you know Man United are a very popular team to back anyway, just based on the name in the market. And West Brom completely the opposite, given what they've done so far. So I think that's a fair price for for Manchester United. Um, yeah, I won't put anyone off backing them at that kind of price. I know it's it's extremely short, but West Brom are that bad. Um, yeah, they're, they're winless in five. West Brom performances over the course of the season have been shocking, which you've highlighted there with the, the sort of underlying process. Um, worst in the in attack and worst in defence from a, an XG perspective in, in the entire league. Um, and unfortunately for them, this game comes at the Hawthorns where they've been really poor this season. I think they've failed to score in, I think it's seven of their 11 home games. Um, and Manchester United have been exceptional on the road. So um, a really poor home team taking on a really strong away team. United, like you said, they'll be extremely frustrated and I know they're probably playing it down, the title hopes, but um, they, they gave away two points against Everton last week against Sheffield United. They were you know, not at the races for whatever reason. Um, but I think that was the... They've only lost one of the last 15 or 16 in the Premier League, which is that game against Sheffield United. So they, they have put a really consistent run together after what was a slow start. Um, most of the wins, though, have actually come away from home. As I've said, really strong on the road. Eight wins from 11, unbeaten. The only team in the league that have yet to lose away from home. Um, cue them losing to West Brom this week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in all seriousness, their their underlying process on the road is 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 excellent. Averaging around 1.9 expected goals for per game. Conceding just 1.3 expected goals against per game. So 
should be a routine win really for for United. Um, for from a, a betting standpoint, the, the model thinks that under two and a half, uh, sorry, that a short price under three point five goals is actually a sense is a really sensible bet in this. Um, we're giving it around a seventy three percent chance of under three and a half. Market around sixty two percent, and the main reason for that is we don't see West Brom scoring. Um, so again, another bet there. Manchester United win to nil is probably my preferred play. Uh, I think I've seen it around two point two. Something along those lines. That that is a. It looks a really strong bet for the for this one. And you know, you just look back at the teams that have gone to West Brom already, um, and won quite comfortably uh, without conceding. The likes of uh, of Manchester City went there, won five nil. Arsenal went there, won four nil. Leeds won five nil there. Villa won three nil there. Um, Spurs went there and won one nil earlier on in the season. So uh, Leicester went there, won three nil. So you know. They've done a lot of losing to nil at the Hawthorns, and I think that this weekend can be another one added to that list. Are they still tracking as the the worst team in InfoGoal's records? Disappointingly, no. Oh. <laughs> They've had a couple of. Uh, I think we can we can attribute it to the the two point six xG that they put up against Wolves has, has given them a, a nice big boost. But um, I think if I remember off the top of my head, the worst record was around zero point seven six, Villa of fifteen sixteen. So. Um, they are not be far off. Let's hope, yeah. We'll see yeah. at the end of the season. <laughs> um, right, on to Arsenal versus Leeds. And I, I don't really know what to, to kind of say about these two. They're pretty unpredictable. Um, Arsenal have completely flip, flipped from the team a few years ago, or maybe sort of five years ago now, where it was that great going forward and all the attacking talent, but just really struggling at the back. Now it's basically they, they can't score more than a goal in a game, or they're, they're really sort of struggling going forward, and they, they, they look pretty solid at the back. They did put that run together sort of recently, but then David Luiz went and did a David Luiz and helped them to a loss against Wolves. I mean, that one may be a I'm little bit debatable, but um, they're, they're now back down to 11th. Um, and actually, according to XG, have been a little bit unfortunate this season. Leeds, meanwhile, have they've kind of hovered around sort of mid-table all season. It was a good win for them against Palace. I know you said Palace were were awful in that, but, but Leeds looked pretty solid as well. Um, but for them, I feel like they've just kind of struggle to to build on results they seem to be one step forward two steps back or, or something of that sort of ilk where they just can't quite kick on um but according to the odds we've got Arsenal are Arsenal are odds on at 1.934 um the draw is 3.8 and leads are 4.11 so again it's I'm, I'm repeating myself it's another interesting one from a betting perspective Arsenal look pretty sure at odds on um, given that we know Leeds can really turn up, but it is that just will they turn up is is the big question, I guess. And and Jake, would you, what are you going for here? <laughs> I think you can guess. <laughs> um, yeah, for, this is obviously the Infocol highlight game. Um, I'm not going to be tipping up Leeds or the draw. There's another bet that I quite like the look of, but um, yeah, absolutely no value in Arsenal's price based on what we. What we've seen from them, what we've seen from Leeds, um, the model makes them around 2.05. Um, so, yeah, the market around 1.93. It's just a little bit too short. Um, I, you can't really be backing Arsenal odds on at any point in the season, uh, really, given what we've seen from them over the last two seasons um, since Arsene Wenger left. And uh, especially at home, they've won just four of 11 home matches this season and actually um, posted a, a negative XG process at the Emirates, which is... Really, really interesting and uh, and quite alarming, really, heading into this match. Um, yeah, they, they, they've, they've scored at a rate that's really, really poor for, for a team that you would expect 
much more from. Um, 1.09 goals per game is what they've averaged. Slightly unfortunate not to have scored more at home, 1.4 XG. Um, but it's just, they've been extremely fortunate defensively as well. One goal conceded in um, yeah, per game, 1.4 expected goals against per game at home. So, yeah, they, they just... Same thing really for Arsenal. They take two steps forward and uh, and then four steps back. They went on that really good run. Where they put together four or five wins. Um, and ever since their their victory against Southampton, which followed the FA Cup uh, exit, they've been just really, really bad. Um, against United, they created next to nothing, 0.9 expected goals. Against Wolves, I know they were down to 10 men after, uh, after 45 minutes, but 0.7 XG in that game. And then last week against Villa, 0.9 xg um didn't really look like scoring they had a lot of the ball a fair few shots but the the shot map was not that impressive at all very few um good chances created and that is unfortunately the story of their season really struggling in terms of attack um yeah they, they rank bottom half in terms of attacking process in the premier league which is um hugely concerning uh, the only real upside is that defensively we've seen improvements. Um, only Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Brighton have a better defensive process this season than Arsenal. So, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of hope that they can hold this Leeds attack at bay because it is a Leeds attack that is, um, you know, incredibly strong and, and <clears throat> has been very fruitful this season for Marcelo Bielsa. Um, yeah, Leeds, they've been a little bit of an enigma this season because while they've been playing really attractive football on the eye, um, it might have gone unnoticed to some that they actually have the second worst defensive record based on expected goals in the entire Premier League. So they've conceded 41 expected goals in 22 games, <coughs> excuse me, um, and conceded 38 goals in that time, which is, you know, a staggering amount for um, its third most amount in the Premier League, which is, you know, for a top half team is, is very unusual. Um but when you dive a little bit deeper into the numbers, you can sort of see a pattern that's emerged. So they played seven matches against last season's top six. So that's Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Leicester and Spurs. And in those six matches, they've conceded 52% of that total expected goals. So it, in the 15 other matches, they've conceded just 1.3 expected goals against per game, which is a, you know a really solid defensive process. Um, that would rank them around uh, sixth based on XGA per game in the Premier League. And in those other seven matches, they've conceded 3.1 expected goals against per game, which is a, an incredible number. Um, and it just shows you that something that I said previously on this show, when playing against better teams that have better individual players, leads get found out because they leave so much space and then the 1v1 battles they lose. Um, Arsenal for into the, the latter category of being the rest as opposed to the last season's top six. Uh, and we've already seen Leeds put the you know a, an XG beat down on them earlier on in the season. I think it was 2.2 to 0.8. Um, Nicholas Pepe got sent off in that as well. He was getting wound up by Alioski. I know that Alioski has been uh, winding him up again ahead of the game, which I've got a lot of time for. Um, yeah, saying he's looking forward to seeing his mate. Um, yeah, I think this is a it's going to be a really tough game for Arsenal um, to create anything. I know Leeds have issues from set pieces, something, again, I've spoken about on this show before. Um, but they ultimately, Arsenal are not a very good attacking team at the moment. And, and Leeds, likewise, stronger in attack. But uh, Arsenal have been very strong in defence. So I'm looking towards the goal line as my best bet in this one. Um, the, the market is unsurprisingly suggesting the overs is, uh, you know, it's a massive favourite on the market. 
the Infocore model thinks overs should be favourite, but um, we've got a lot of value in back in the unders. We've got a 46% chance of under 2.5. The market's around 40%. So, um, yeah, under 2.5 is a massive value play. But I'm going to go, again, a little bit safe, a little bit cautious. Take the under 3 Asian goal line uh, at 1.94. It's still a very reasonable price, I think. Um, and, again, that means if, if there is three goals, you get your money back. If there's two goals or fewer, you get a winner. And the only way you lose money is if there's four goals and, and you know, this Arsenal team have very rarely been involved in, in games of, of such a high margin uh, in terms of goals. I know Leeds have, but Arsenal haven't. Um, they've been the exact opposite. They've been a very low-scoring team to follow. So I think that under three goals is a very sensible bet in this one, and that's where the InfraGoal um, model is going. Yeah, I think those that like their derivative markets might be looking at uh, an Alioski yellow card or, or to be booked or something along <laughs> those lines. Not not quite where, where Pinnacle's looking for our prediction. It's actually a, an interesting one that that tends not to, to pop up from, from sort of the market analysis. For us, it's it's both teams to score um, is the one that's being highlighted. And that's obviously what, what Pinnacle's going to go with. So we'll, we'll see how we get on with that. Um, what we'll do now is we'll, we'll move on to our next game. We've got Everton versus Fulham. Um, and I know you you actually mentioned this last week and something that I myself sort of fell victim to a little bit of this false Fulham recovery that's been going on. Mm-hmm. It kind of continued again with another draw against West Ham. Still no win for them since November. Um, they're eight points off safety. I think Everton, they've they've been up and down themselves. I would have... I think I would have expected them to be a little bit shorter for this, to be honest. They're currently just about odds on at 1.961. Um, I think so, it's, I think Calvert-Lewin's a doubt. That might be yeah, yeah, the effect on the price. His, ham- his hamstring, I think, wasn't it? He went off. But, I mean, it's a 50% chance for a win for them. Fulham get 23% chance. Um, and the, the draw's 4.24. So, um, oh no, so Fulham are 4.24 and the draw's 3.61. Um, but... The InfoGoal expected goals table has Fulham out of the relegation zone, I think, at the moment, but there isn't really much in it. You are forecasting them to finish where they are and to actually get relegated. Um, and it's 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 quite hard to really find an argument against that. They've been they've been performing at a consistent level. It just so happens that that consistent level is is pretty poor um and not been enough to to win matches, and it's it's pretty simple, really. Um Everton have just I mean, probably the opposite. They've, they've won a few good matches. I think they've had a few spells of sort of four wins in a row, five wins in a row, but then they've also had some really poor patches as well. They've over overperformed against expected goals massively, both in terms of attack and defence. And when you consider that InfoGoal rates them as, as 14th in the league, according to expected goals, and you, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think Rodriguez might be out as well. All of a sudden, maybe the, the, the price doesn't make a little bit more sense, but nearly odds on or just about odds on what do you think of it Jake do you think that's a fair mark yeah yeah I think that's a very fair mark I think the you know you know I'm not a massive fan of uh of Fulham as, as we spoke about last week um I think that Everton in my mind anyway looked to be turning a little bit of a corner um not in terms of results because results have been fairly consistent over the course of the season but their their process has started improving again and I, I just yeah, it's really interesting to see all the reasoning behind that as to why that has, has potentially, why there was such a dip from an attacking standpoint mid-season uh, and, a, and a heavy focus on defending and why they're, you know, all of a sudden looking a little bit more, um, you know, tap-minded and more creative. But um, yeah, it definitely bodes well heading into this game. If they can maintain that defensive solidity and improve that attack, then you're looking at a real top four contender and, 
Um, I'll just get my sim up now. I'll be able to tell you. Everton at the moment, we're only giving them a 5% chance of finishing the top four, um, which is it sounds quite quite small given that they're only three points behind with two games in hand. But their, their rating and their process over the course of the season is, is actually that of a bottom half team. Um, they sit 14th based on expected points in our table. So there's some way to explaining that. Uh, although we do make them um, around 25% chance of finishing the top six. So there is hope that Everton can play European football, but I think they will have to continue to improve their process for that to be the case. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, they, I know they scored very late against Manchester United to get a point, uh, and that was you know euphoric scenes really, but fully deserved based on expected goals. Um, I know that, that quite a few pundits were saying that United have been you know really impressive, really really excellent in the way they controlled the game in the second half, um, they created chances, but ultimately Everton. While they may have taken a third number of uh, a third of the number of shots, they actually racked up the the exact same amount of expected goals around one point six. Fair draw, um, and then the previous game against Leeds, they were again really impressive. Raced out to a, a nice nice lead early on, racked up one point eight expected goals. That was actually their best attacking performance since before Christmas when they um, went to Burnley and drew one one. So there there are trend signs that they're trending uh, in a much more positive direction. And it's a very good game for them with Fulham obviously winless in 12. Um, their process in that period has been um, really, really poor. 1.1 expected goals for per game, 1.7 expected goals against per game. So exactly what we'd expect from a team um, that, that's likely to get relegated. The goals have dried up. Um, I know that, you know, they're 12 games they're 12 games winless and I'm pretty sure they've only conceded 12 goals in that time so it just shows you that they're drawing too many matches um in terms of needing to stay up you need wins um but they've only scored six goals in that time so they're not posing an attacking threat whatsoever uh, and I think that it's a really good game for Everton who, who have shown that they can be solid defensively um and that you know they can be creative in attack and I've got to caveat that with the fact that they are missing their leading goal scorer, Calvert-Lewin, who's been uh, sensational this season. And James Rodriguez is a, is a doubt. He's questionable. And so is Lucas Digne, which is, um, again, he's a massive creator for them. I just think that they'll have enough. I think Richarlison will potentially play down the middle uh, as a nine. And he he's going to do exactly the same as what Calvert-Lewin does, really. Run the channels, hold the ball up and, and try and get the likes of Sigurdsson into play. Um, and I think Iwobi's probably been a, a decent performer for them as well the last couple of weeks. So I, I think that Everton, that price has drifted. They were around 1.85 yesterday. It's now, as you've said, closer to even money. Um, and the market, uh, sorry, the model makes them closer to about 1.87. Um, so huge, decent amount of value really in back in the home win. And, and I'm quite pleased to have seen that that price drift. Um, I think it's now a backable price and, and it is a value bet. And, I don't really see this this Fulham team as as too threatening. Um, it could be a very comfortable home win, really. Um, other than that, the model it did like the look of under two and a half before the market moved in 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 line with what we've done. Um, and the same with both teams to score, which is airing towards BTTS and no, which again would be a small value play. Um, but ultimately, I do like Everton at the price. Right, well, our, our next game is West Ham versus Sheffield United. And I don't think many people expected either of these two to, to be where they are in the table at the start of the season. We've got West Ham in sixth and a point off fourth. Sheffield United are rock bottom. There's, there's a 12-point gap to Burnley in 17th, and it really doesn't look great for them, does it? Um, but 
West Ham, they're not, they're not quite a top six team as much as it pains me to say it, according to uh, expected goals, but they do deserve to be in the top half. Um, Sheffield United, I don't think they can have many arguments against being where they are. They, a bit better than West Brom, I guess, but there isn't too much in it. Um, pretty poor at the back and, and kind of said this about a lot of the teams. The main issue for them really is going, going forward, um, averaging a touch over one expected goal, four per game, third lowest in the league. I think it's an interesting one because West Ham have, have kind of they've been difficult to break down when teams take the game to them and then they almost sort of their their strength is really that sort of counter-attack. This is going to be one where West Ham are going to be expected to to dominate the ball and perhaps actually break down Sheffield United. So whether or not they can do that is is going to be a, a big question to answer. They are they are the better team. They are the clear favourites. Odds of one point seven four six um gives them a 55% win probability. Sheffield United get a 19% chance of, of getting three points at 5.26 and the draw is 25% chance at 3.82. No surprise to see a low goals total, 2 and 2.5. The over is taking most of the action though, so um, it's a low mark, but but getting pushed up by by money. Um, is there any value in this one, Jake, apart from the, the Aaron Cresswell assist bet, obviously? <laughs> outside of that, is there any other value? Um, no, I think that could be a very good good bet again this time around because uh, you know Sheffield United they've they've not for all you know the stigma surrounding them in terms of being solid at the back and having you know some big bodies back there they've actually conceded quite a few goals from crosses and set pieces this season so the Cresswell assist definitely comes into play. Um, Suchek did he get his red card overturned? You'll know better than me. He did, yeah. So that again, that's a massive boost for that that potential bet. Um, but yeah, the market's pretty much spot on with this one in terms of uh, pricing. I think the, yeah, the, the, we're starting to respect Sheffield United a little bit more from a market standpoint and the model's always always been sort of favouring them slightly in in matches and um, and it is doing so again marginally. Um, they, they've won six of nine in all competitions, which is um, yeah, three wins in the Premier League, three wins in the FA Cup against lower league opposition. But the main trend across all those victories has been the the you know the narrow margins which we you know come to expect from Sheffield United they're winning by one goal they're losing by one goal um and that is yeah that's ultimately Sheffield United in a nutshell and, and that is why they're so competitive week in week out and I think that that is potentially a very good bet in this one as well if you can find it West West Ham to win by exactly one goal um I think that's got a real chance in this one just again they're so competitive in games, they don't get hammered to Sheffield United, especially not recently, given the, the turn of, uh, of of fortune. And West Ham are ultimately performing like a top six team, which is something that you have to, again, fully respect. Even at home, they're putting up a decent process. 1.5 expected goals for per game, 1.39 expected goals against. Um, and Sheffield United away from home have been uh, you know, pretty pretty woeful, pretty toothless in attack. 0.85 expected goals for per game, which is one of the lowest totals in the league away from home. Um, yeah, I'm seeing this as a 1-0 or a 2-1 in West Ham's favour. Sheffield United yet to keep a clean sheet away from home. Um, West Ham, in terms of clean sheets, uh, they've only kept 27% of, uh, at home in terms of clean sheets. So they very rarely keep teams out. So... The overs, I can understand why that is has come into play. And Sheffield United, they do look to have found their shooting boots a little bit more of late, um, hitting the target, <clears throat> scoring a few more goals than what they were when they are on that such you know that terrible barren run. And, and yeah, you're right. The, the overs has seen a little bit of love 
um, and the market has moved a little bit closer to what the, the model is suggesting. The model has over two and a half at pretty much even money. So if it does get there or if it is, it does push past that, then um, I think the, the, that could be a value play. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a random one for, from a market standpoint. But West Ham to win by exactly one goal, I think is a, has got a real chance, especially given West Ham don't usually blow teams out either. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking now, I mentioned at the top of the show about getting James Justin out of my fantasy football team. I think Aaron Cresswell's the, the obvious replacement. He's the replacement. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, our uh, our final fixture for game week 24 is Chelsea versus Newcastle and, and one where Thomas Tuchel is going to come in and look to continue that good start as Chelsea manager. I think it looks good on paper. He has to be fair to him, kind of changed things up and, and tried new things. But I don't think it's a, a big of, as big of a task as, as maybe people thought it would have been. Um, Frank Lampard really had them in, in quite a good place and was kind of a little bit unlucky for that, that tough patch there. But um, three wins and a draw in their last four league games. Um, they've bounced back. I think they're eighth or ninth when Lampard left. They're now fifth. Um, they're obviously into the quarterfinal of the cup as well. They've only conceded one in their last five um, in all competitions but not really lethal in attack. Six six goals in that period. And when you think they've played, they played a Wolves team, they played Burnley, Tottenham, Sheffield United and Barnsley, it's, it's, it doesn't look too great. And I guess this is another kind fixture for them because it's it's a Newcastle team who are who struggled for, for quite a while now into last season as well. Um, the, the theme of injuries continues because I think Callum Wilson, six to eight weeks was the, the news yesterday or today. So he's... I mean, he's massive for them. Ten goals, he scored five assists. Um, he's been involved in that 60% of their 25 goals. Um, so it's going to be a real hit for them in terms of creating or, or finishing anything off. Um, Newcastle are in a fair position in the league, according to expected goals. Had a few good results before that that loss to Palace. Things could have got looked a lot worse had, had those wins not gone their way. And I mean, we, we mentioned about the teams down the bottom in Sheffield United and, and Fulham being a fair way off safety. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle got, got dragged into that without Callum Wilson for nearly two months. Um, Chelsea are actually the, the shortest favourite on the board as well um, across all Premier League fixtures. They're 1.262. Um, Newcastle are available at 11.46. So those odds give Chelsea a 77% win probability. Newcastle just over 8%. What do you reckon, Jake? Another another real short price favourite here. Is there is there a temptation to take them on with Newcastle or, or is it just too much without the likes of Callum Wilson playing? Yeah, it's too much. I think if Wilson was playing, I, I would be tempted to take Chelsea on just purely because they've, they've not really impressed me that much. Um, you know, defensively, they've been really, really excellent and I think they deserve credit for that. Um, conceded just 0.5 expected goals against per game in the league since Tuchel took over. Um uh, but yeah, in, in attack, they've been so questionable. 0.9 non-penalty expected goals per game is what they've averaged in the four games since Tuchel took over. Um, and it is worth bearing in mind that the teams that they've played are Wolves, Burnley, Tottenham and Sheffield United, who are very defensive-minded teams. They don't really open up and have a go. So they're yet to be tested from an attacking standpoint, uh, sorry, from a defensive standpoint. Um, but those those sort of deep-lying teams that they are, they are, that sort of explains the the issues they've had creativity uh, creatively. So yeah, the, the main the common denominator is that most of those matches have been very dull, low scoring games, uh, and I think that this could be very similar. Newcastle, no Callum Wilson, like you've said, he, he's out for quite a long time, and uh, and it's, that's a huge blow. He is effectively their attack 
he's contributed to 53% of their XG this season, which is a staggering number. So through expected goals and expected assists, he's contributed to 53% of their XG total. He's going to be massively missed. St. Maximan, obviously, he's got that X factor. He's a tricky player. Um, he can make things happen, but he doesn't do it as regularly as what Wilson does in terms of getting in goal scoring positions or setting up his teammates. And uh, and they've been extremely weak and vulnerable defensively away from home this season at Newcastle. I'll have 1.9 expected goals against per game. So, yeah, it's um, it's a worry for Newcastle coming into this. I think that, that there was a mentality shift to to be a bit more attacking, a bit more proactive um, since the, yeah, well, since they got beat by Aston Villa. Um uh, 2-0, uh, 0.6 expected goals. Since then, they, they've averaged 14 shots per game, which is a, a really high total for a team like Newcastle. So there's been a shift in terms of um, you know attack, being a bit more attack-minded, playing more on the front foot. But I think that they're going to really sit back and go back to the old defensive um, men behind the ball, Bruce, Bruce Ball style of play, um, and just try and get something out of the game. I think they'll, they'll probably look at Chelsea's attack and see that it's not quite clicking yet. Um, he's not settled on a formula as Tuchel to, to. I don't think he knows what his best attacking players are, uh, or his best system is, um, or his best. Yeah, he, he's still tinkering. He's still new to the job. Uh, I think he'll probably stick with the three-four-three for this game, and it's just a question mark of who who he plays in, in what position. So I think that Newcastle will set up to frustrate with the obvious the outlet of of likes of Armour on the set maximum to try and counterattack. But um, I do think that Chelsea will deal with that no problem whatsoever. I think they'll win. Um, there isn't too much value in backing them. If you are to back them, I would look at um, Chelsea to win to nil, or um, yeah, or, or just look at the goal line. Uh, as I've said, most of Chelsea's games since Tuchel took over have been low scoring. This should be no different, uh, and you're getting a decent price about um, about under two point five goals. Models around forty four percent chance. Markets around forty one percent chance. So there's there's a small bit of value there for under two point five, um, and you can back. 2.3 on pinnacle under 2.5 that for me is is probably the best bet in this one to win to nil is the the market of the week i think for for these fixtures it's, it's popped up a few times hasn't it yeah well it's, i think sometimes it's the best way to go um with really good teams against really bad teams like man city v tottenham yeah um well that is it for today some some great fixtures coming up and and some interesting betting angles to explore and thanks again for joining me jake and, and thank you to everyone for tuning in if you if you do want to find out more about infogol and, and how it can help with your betting go to infogold.net follow at infogol app on twitter and download the app on app, apple and android um all the latest odds as always are available on pinnacle.com best of luck with your bets and please remember to gamble responsibly